Yes, that's right. It is one minute, one minute past the hour. It is the morning machine, the machine that makes your mornings move. And it is Monday. You know, it is the midpoint of the month and also the midpoint of Mental Health Awareness Month. So I just want to make sure that we remind everybody that it is Mental Health Awareness Month, even though we should be aware all year round and uh it is the top of the hour thank you so much for tuning in and thank you for making the machine a part of your daily morning routine part of that routine on mondays is that you get your mental health and mindset so this is what we have this hour we've done it every week and we have these talks about mental health okay so let's start with the mental health we're we have Dr. Earl Bowen Jr. Now, let me tell you about Dr. Bowen real quick. Dr. Earl Bowen Jr. is the assistant professor in social and behavioral science and the university counselor at the Cheney University of Pennsylvania. He is licensed by the Pennsylvania State Board of Social Workers, Marriage and Family Therapists, and Professional Counselors. He is also certified in dialectical behavioral therapy. Now, Dr. Bowen has conducted many of research that we, we would take all day to name. However, I do want to say, additionally, Dr. Bowen serves as associate rabbi at Congregation Temple Bethel, located in my hometown and should be your favorite city as well, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Good morning, Dr. Bowen. How are you? Good morning, Rob. I'm doing good. Thank God. How you doing? Uh, doing phenomenal, and I uh, can't wait to hear what we have this morning in the world of mental health. Thank you. This morning, uh, uh, first I want to give thanks and praise to the Most High God for another day, another opportunity to be alive and well with all of you. And uh, today I, I thought in view of this is Mental Health Month, uh, the month of May, uh, I wanted to go back and, and elaborate on something I talked about a couple of weeks ago, and that has to do with trauma, but particularly trauma as it impacts black people in America. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. But before I start, I just want to, again, set the stage for the purpose of having these talks on Monday morning. It's basically to promote mental health awareness. That's number one. Secondly, is to provide mental health support and to emphasize mental ailments to the same degree as physical ailments and to improve sensitivity and empathy toward mental health disorders that often go unnoticed and sometimes untreated. And then finally, to fight the stigma of mental health by encouraging uh, open discussion. And so, as I said earlier, I want to talk today about trauma as it impacts black people in America. And when you think about it, if you put, put this in some historical context, you know, black people in America have built a massive agricultural economy in America. And it was because of that massive agricultural economy that was built based on 246 years of free labor. America was able to emerge as a, as a world power and to move into industrialization and, of course, capitalism, which followed. But along the way, uh, black people in America have had to deal with enslavement, racial profiling, standing ground laws, exoneration of George Zinnerman for 
shooting Trayvon Martin, Tim Larkin from shooting Tamir Raw, Tamir Rice, Roy Bryant for murdering Emmett Till. In addition to that, over sentencing, microaggressions, over policing, and institutional disrespect. So when you take all of these things into account, not to mention what happened over the weekend with the shootings in Buffalo, New York. When you take all of these things into account, it leads to trauma that occurs not just in our minds, but in our bodies. So this trauma is actually something that is in our bodies. It's not just mental. And this trauma contributes to a long list of common stress disorders like post-traumatic stress, learning disabilities, depression, anxiety, high blood pressure. That's just to name a few. What we know about trauma is that it's routinely passed from person to person and from generation to generation. And it's really passed through genetics, through culture, through family structures, and through biochemistry. And with biochemistry, I'm talking about trauma being transferred through the egg, the sperm, and the womb. And so what this means is that trauma is literally in our blood. It's part of our lifeline, whether you recognize it or not. Now, this trauma also influences how we see others, particularly white people, and I'm talking white in general. It it impacts how we see them in terms of maybe thinking uh, in some ways that they are controlling and in some cases dangerous. Think about the next time you see another white person walk into a restaurant or to a shopping center where you're located. You might automatically go back to reflect on what happened over the weekend. Now, it's not really uncommon that black people in America are deeply conflicted about interactions with police in particular. Sometimes seeing the police as a source of protection and sometimes seeing the police as a source of danger and sometimes seeing both at once. So when trauma continues from generation after generation, it's often called historical trauma. So unhealed trauma affects us like a rock thrown into a pond. It causes ripples that move outward, affecting many others over the course of time. After months or years, unhealed trauma can appear to become a part of someone's personality. So you hear comments like, well, yeah, that's just the way he is, or that's just the way she is. Over longer periods of time, trauma can become a family norm. And this is often referred to as traumatic retention. So thinking for a minute about how this could operate genetically, you can look at a fetus that's growing inside the womb of a traumatized mother. This can result in repeated releases of stress hormones that 
can affect the nervous system of the developing fetus. Even though the child is unborn, the trauma that the mother may be facing during that pregnancy can release stress hormones that can affect the nervous system and subsequently affect the unborn child. So prenatal care, prenatal care and the environment are very, very, very important factors to keep in mind. Now, there's a book that was written uh, several years ago. It was written by Joy DeGreur, G-R-E-U-Y. She wrote a book entitled Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome. It's a book that I would highly recommend to pick up. Again, it's called Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome. It was written by Dr. Joy DeGruy, G-R-U-Y. In this book, she traces the history of black trauma in America. It was first published in 2005, so it's actually been out for quite a while, but it's a book that's worth reading, highly recommended, and I think would add much more substance to uh, any justice that I could do over a 30-minute period in talking about the subject. Now, the other thing that we know about trauma is that oppressed people often internalize the trauma-based values and strategies of their oppressors so that these values and strategies, sometimes based on black self-hate, are things that we need to unlearn. If you look at self-hate among black people in America, you can actually see how it plays out in multiple ways. Disrespecting and distrusting each other in everyday interactions or inflicting violence on each other. These are internal internalized values of the oppressor that actually play out in terms of our relationship with each other. Now, the other thing that we have to remember or keep in mind, it's a little more complicated, and that is that all of these factors impact white people as well. And when I say white people, I'm talking in general. So one of my colleagues, uh, Dr. Lewis Gordon, who's in the University of Connecticut, he talks about how white people are impacted by trauma and racism. And what he calls it is um, white narcissism. And so white narcissism is basically reflected in what we know when we, when we think of someone who has a narcissistic personality. So let's, you think for a minute about, well, what would constitute a narcissistic personality? Dr. Gordon outlines a couple of things that I think are important to note. An exaggerated sense of importance, a sense of entitlement, an inflated sense of achievement, unwilling to recognize the needs of others, conceit, and arrogance. What we know psychologically is that these personality traits reveal secret feelings of insecurity. I think Dr. Gordon does a good job of describing how this sort of narcissistic personality traits gets played out among many whites in a, in a broader society. 
So when we talk about trauma, moving back to looking at it from a black perspective, we first have to recognize that healing involves three things. First, recognizing, then accepting, and then moving through the pain. It often means facing what you don't want to face or what you may have been avoiding. But in the process of facing trauma in your life, the process enables you to grow and to create more room in your nervous system. That builds the capacity for further growth. But what we must avoid is a continued practice of traumatic retention. This traumatic retention is often tied into what we see as self-hate, internalized depression, a preference for shopping in white-owned businesses, a denigration of brothers and sisters who have achieved some degree of success. These are indications of self-hate that have been internalized. Now, there are some very practical steps that we can all take in dealing with trauma in our lives. The first is really to more of a soothing process. That is to be able to quiet your mind, to settle your body, to notice sensations, vibrations, and emotions that are going on in your body, to take 10 deep breaths, to meditate for five minutes, to go for a walk. Sometimes just to shut up and be quiet for a few minutes. And sometimes, no matter how others might be talking or talking loudly, you resist the temptation to match that by talking louder. You actually practice breathing. You quickly find an internal resource in your body as an experience of safety and soothing or something that's pleasurable. You think about a person or a place or maybe even an animal to connect with. Just for it. Because when you heal historical and intergenerational trauma, because your healing means you will not pass on your trauma to your descendants. Never forget the importance of rest, of leisure, and of good self-care. And remember that without inner change, there can be no outer change. It all starts from within. To repudiate the historical trauma, we must change the culture because culture is how our bodies retain and reenact history. Once we change the culture, we also change our lives and we change the course of history. However, this change must involve our elders, our elders who have addressed some of their own trauma and who can pass on stories of resilience and achievement that can perpetuate our community in moving forward. We must remember that healing is not just about what we experience in the present. It's about how we understand the past. We must not only learn and teach about traumatic retention, we must grow in the process. So this leads me to for, uh, I think, the next couple of minutes that we have together, 
to talk about something that I talked about um, over a month ago. I think it was probably early, probably early April, and it was something uh, that I refer to as post-traumatic growth. Post-traumatic growth. Now, this notion of post-traumatic growth is something that is embraced by, you know, this idea of positive psychology. And it's based on the idea of using pain to change our lives for the better. So in a nutshell, post-traumatic growth is a psychological transformation that follows a stressful encounter or in the wake of struggling with a highly charged circumstance in life that may have occurred. So that means that while the pain may be still hurting, you develop new ways of redirecting the pain. For example, it may mean embracing new opportunities, both at a personal and at a professional level. It might mean developing a higher sense of gratitude toward life altogether. It might mean developing a greater spiritual connection. And as I said before, while the grief may be still there or the trauma may be still there, post-traumatic growth allows you to look forward in life instead of being stuck in the past. So what I'm actually talking about is something called cognitive restructuring. It helps us to grow as human beings. I'm reminded of a situation in Philadelphia that occurred several years ago where a young black male was shot and killed tragically and happened. But she started something in Philadelphia where she was able to organize in the process. Does that mean that she does not, no longer grieve the loss of her son? No, absolutely not. She still now I think what has to be acknowledged is that this process of healing is going to be the same for everybody. Uh, one of the theories is goal setting and goal striving. The focus is on channel and solutions. Sometimes I might even assign homework assignments, something that is part of our lives. And as black people in America, it often resides in our body. It's not just in our mind. It's a reality that we face in America. But post-traumatic stress can also be the impetus toward post-traumatic growth. We have to begin to reframe and to begin to look at it in a way of how we can grow and to learn from that experience. So I hope something I've said this morning has been helpful to you in terms of thinking about your situation either on a personal level or looking at it in a much broader sense. Uh, the situation that occurred over the weekend uh, with the shooting of innocent people is another reminder that there is a lot of hatred that still exists in this country. And a lot of that hatred is directed toward black people. And sometimes, even though you may not directly experience that trauma, there is something called vicarious trauma, which means that even though you don't experience it directly, indirectly, it starts to have an impact not only on your psyche, but on your, the body itself. So if you're driving and you're 
stopped by a police officer and you're being pulled over, it's not just the fact that you were pulled over by a police officer. It actually means that there are things that's going on psychologically and biologically in your body that's going on. Uh, I think about the recent incident that happened with a group of black college students that were on their way back from Georgia. They were leaving, going back to Delaware because they were students at Delaware State University. Many of you probably heard of the story where white police officers came on. The reason they pulled them over was the driver was in a passing lane that he should have been in, in uh, in the right lane, but it was in the wrong lane. But that was never evident in what happened. What happened was a search for drugs. This is an example of young black college students who had a traumatic experience that they will always remember, particularly the next encounter they have with a person from the law enforcement community. But these are experiences that go on in our lives day in and day out. Uh, It goes beyond socioeconomic status. So you may feel that you are immune because of the neighborhood where you live or the job that you're involved in. Uh, racism goes beyond those those elements that we think about. There are no elements of safety. The thing is to be aware, to recognize it, and to move through. But also it means to fight for social justice when warranted. And so with the situation that happened over the weekend, I pray that justice will be done for this individual, but also that this will be another learning experience for both black and white people to address this endemic issue in America that started with a transition from the continent to the United States or to the Western Hemisphere and continue to harness today. So as we end, I want to end with words of James Walden Johnson from the Black National Anthem that always resonates with me as I think about these matters. Sheltered beneath thy hand, may we forever stand true to our God, true to our native land. Wishing all of you a great week, safe week. May God continue to bless us. May he make us a blessing. Amen and amen. Have a good week. Shalom. <laughs>